Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast are difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to episode seven of Blackbird and Advocacy Podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and with me is my co-host, Dan. Oh, hi. Oh, are you surprised to be here? Yeah. No. I wasn't expecting this. No. Never. No. No. This is weird. Right? I've never had a microphone in front of me before. No. Okay. Never recorded a podcast or... No. No. I don't know what that is. Okay. The Human Trafficking Hotline reports that in 2019, there were 4,585 reported cases of human trafficking in the United States. States with the most reported cases were California with 749, Texas with 561, Florida with 466, and Ohio with 229. And of those 229, 157 were sex trafficking reports. So human trafficking can encompass uh, both sex trafficking and labor trafficking. So anything that has to do with a human being doing something, being coerced to do something for any sort of monetary gain is part of human trafficking. Um, generally, when people hear human trafficking, they think sex trafficking, but it also encompasses labor as sure. well. Yeah. You know, people working on farms or um, what we see a lot with massage parlors, um, things like that. So, um, although a lot with the massage parlors is labor and sex all in one. Um, but, uh, so the human trafficking hotline reports all human trafficking, not just sex trafficking. So that's why I made a point to differentiate between uh, the full amount for Ohio as well as what the sex trafficking numbers were um, within that total number. So today's case it takes us to Portsmouth, Ohio, where numerous underage girls have reported having been sex trafficked by a prominent player and where one woman's family is still looking for answers. Portsmouth, Ohio is a city in southern Ohio that abuts the Scioto River and sits just east of the mouth of the river. It essentially borders Ohio and Kentucky, so the river itself is like the separation, essentially the, the border um, between the two, and then uh, Portsmouth is right north of that, okay. just north of that. Um, and it's touted on PortsmouthOH.org as where Southern hospitality begins, because they're, right, you know, they're they're so close to the South right. in the U.S. Right that they they that's their claim to fame right so north of that just jerks right yeah exactly yeah yeah i mean you know and not not that they're jerks but like you know i've been to um i've been to ohio i've been to steubenville i've been to cleveland um and i don't get the sense of like that southern hospitality in those areas not not saying again that they're jerks in those areas mm -hmm. but um you know it's it's a different vibe when you're in those parts of ohio versus you know the south right yeah and generally when you think of ohio you don't think of the south no so no yeah so that's their claim to fame uh niche.com says portsmouth is now a dead city 
that has a low crime rate. Well, we'll see about that in, in this. Um, and a big sense of community. And according to the 2011 census, Portsmouth had a population of 20,171 people. However, in 2017, Portsmouth was known as, quote, the pill mill of America, because as factory workers and industry left, drugs came in. In the 40s, Portsmouth was a booming industrial city full of steel workers and shoemakers. And now at half that population, uh, the streets became lonely and desolate and nothing there to turn to but drugs. Right. You know, with the opiate epidemic um apparently it's it's quite um large in in that city um and again you know it once was a booming industry right and now yeah i mean that happens all too often you get, right you know you, you have people with lives and activities and careers and and when that all disappears they've got nothing better to do you know, and some people will get out, but some people will stay. Right. And if you're not going to work, you're doing something. It may just start with day drinking, and then it starts to turns to day smoking, and then day shooting up, and mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or you know, you're under the overpass. Yeah. Wearing paper bags on your feet. You know, I'm curious to know. This doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about today. I mean, slightly with the opioid ep epidemic, but I'm curious to to know what the numbers are going to end up looking like um, during the quarantine with drugs. Yeah, are, sure. are drugs going to increase? Drug use is going to increase, or is it going to decrease? Well, sure. I mean, you know? the question is what are the numbers going to report? Because right. drug use is going to increase for sure. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, as far as, you know, are we going to see more overdose deaths? Right. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Probably mm -hmm. to some degree. Will it double? Will it triple? Probably not. But, yeah. I mean, there's going to be more drug use for sure, simply because people aren't at work. And it's kind of exactly. tough to do drugs at work. Exa right. Yes. Depending, exactly. depending on your job. Right. And that's exactly my point. You know, with more people home with not much to do, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious to, to see what those numbers are going to end up looking like. Um, but it, that's exactly, you know, what we're having in, in Portsmouth. Like, again, people were out of work. Yeah. So it's just, and, and like Niche.com says, it's a dead city now. And I was looking at pictures of it, and yeah, it's like one of those, it, <laughs> like the downtown area looks like um, one of those like old westerns. You know, where it's just like little shops right. and like tumbleweeds going right. by, like that kind of thing. Like it really just is, is it's not a a big booming town anymore, Right. you know. For years, the opioid epidemic ravaged this city. In 2015, a federal wiretap affidavit filed by a senior special agent of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency exposed a sex trafficking ring throughout the area where drugs were the linchpin holding these girls hostage. Among those named in the affidavit was prominent attorney and former city councilman, Michael Mirren. The affidavit claims Mirren held the girls under his control by supplying them with drugs, quote, in exchange for and as an incentive to participate in acts of prostitution. This happens a lot Yeah, sex it's, trafficking. It's funny because it's like, it, as, it's as compensation for in the beginning, but that's not really why you do that. Correct. <clears throat> You're not doing that to reward them for their good behavior. You're doing that specifically to ensnare them yes. in addiction. E exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and a lot of times what they'll do is, you know, once they get them addicted, um, generally speaking, withdrawal is, is very difficult to go through, especially with opioids. 
So they threaten them with, you know, if you don't comply with what I'm saying, then I'm not going to give you your drugs. And nobody wants to go through the withdrawal process. No. You know, that's 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 horrible, and that's why people continue using drugs. It's not necessarily sometimes that they want to continue using the drugs. It's just they don't want to go through that withdrawal. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, it's horrid. There are so many people that get stuck in that exact cycle. I mean, even, even just with smoking cigarettes. There are people yeah. who have acknowledged, like, I... I don't want to do this. They're gross and they smell and I feel like crap when I don't have them, but I feel like crap when I don't have them. Exactly. And that's why I keep smoking. Exactly. So they use drugs, like you said, to, to bring them in like, hey, like I can get you drugs if you do this thing for me. And and a lot of times women and, and sex workers are like, great, like I have a drug habit, so I'm going to get compensation for this thing and get my drugs. And then after a while, it just turns into, well, now you can't leave me. Right. So the drug thing, especially in a place like this, is huge. Yeah, and because these are also the people that are their bosses that are paying them, it's not even like they have the money to go somewhere else to get their drugs. Because if they say, well, I'm leaving, I'm not going to be, you know, your your employee anymore... For lack you know, of a better term. <laughs> where's my last paycheck? Right. Yeah, yeah right. Right, exactly. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Because exactly. now you're suffering from the withdrawals. You've got nowhere to go, and you've got no money to even buy the drugs to get out. So you've got nowhere to go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Since the 1970s, Mirren has been known to law enforcement as he's been indirectly tied to multiple prior FBI investigations, including human trafficking, extortion, and gang violence. This is an attorney and former city council person. Yeah. Well, you know, like we were saying, when when you get stuck in these towns that have nothing else going on, the last people to to leave are going to be the ones who are in power right now. Oh, yeah. You know, and and he was probably a D-bag before this. And but even if he wasn't and he got stuck there and he was trying to think, how can I stay relevant? Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. (sighs) and rumors of Mirren's involvement in sex trafficking have been an open secret in Portsmouth for years and credibility was finally attributed to these rumors when a Portsmouth Daily Times reporter posted excerpts of the affidavit on Facebook in 2017. So the affidavit was leaked, they posted, and what they found in the affidavit that they wanted to bring him up on charges for, um, people were finally realizing like, hey, you know, we're hearing these, these talks around town about this guy and maybe they're actually true if the DEA is right. truly yeah. looking at him. Yeah, the DEA, the DEA is not really known for their fishing expeditions. Exactly. The, the DEA is, is putting the money and the effort and the, and the warrants into an operation. There's definitely something there. There's something it. there, exactly. You know, and, and even, you know, they, they, they tend to move very slowly in some cases. So if they are actually pursuing something, it means that they've gone through the process of establishing credibility. Right, <laughs> right. And, you know, um, a lot of what we're going to be talking about in this is 2019-2020, and, you know, this affidavit is from uh, 2015, did I say? Um, yeah, 2015. And it wasn't leaked until 2017. So, I mean, this is years in the making already. Um, and like you're saying, like the DEA especially, you know, they work slowly because they want to make sure they're they're getting everything they can for their case. They're not just going to act quickly and, and, and find one thing and then not be able to bring these people up on charges. Right. And there's also, there's a lot of bureaucracy and red tape in the background yes. too. But the, the advantage of that is that that does force you to take your time to thoroughly consider right. these things, whether you want to or not. Yep. 
Yep. So like so many other stories that we hear, especially regarding what society believes are lower class citizens, such as sex workers and drug addicts, the DEA kind of dropped off the investigation after eight defendants named in the affidavit pleaded guilty to conspiracy to distribute heroin and other drugs. Unfortunately, Mirren was not one that was charged. So there were eight other people in that. They were charged. They pled guilty. Done. Yeah, gee, I wonder how that happened. Yeah. I wonder what wheels got greased. In order to find more validity in this, the Cincinnati Inquirer reporters decided to continue the investigation on their own. They interviewed more than 65 individuals and reviewed documents, including court records and arrest records. They were determined to do the work that the DEA decided was no longer of importance. Among those interviewed, 10 women shared their stories of working for Mirren as sex workers at varying times throughout the past two decades. Jeez. Records showed that Mirren also represented six of these women facing drug charges. There you go. There's also that. Obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. They said that Mirren promised lenient sentences from the judges that he had relationships with and parole officers who tend to ignore probation requirements, as long as these women were willing to have sex in exchange for money. Of course. Of course. Yeah, that's the product, as long as you're still working. Right. (laughs) Prominent attorney is saying, hey, I'm going to get you off for all of these things as long as you do this thing for me. of course. So not only now is he coercing them with drugs, but he's also saying, you know, your legal everything will be taken care of. Yeah, the more the more dependency you can generate, you know, it's like it's like in business when you you got vertical integration. It's you 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 control all the supplies, you control, you know, as much as you can. It's the same thing. If the more control you have, the better, regardless of what you're doing, even if you're a D bag. (laughs) Yes, yeah. So the women continued to explain that Mirren would provide them with money to keep up their drug addiction, and he would arrange sexual encounters with different men throughout Ohio, as well as out of state, in New York, New Jersey, Louisiana, and Florida. So now he's sending them out to all over the country. Right. He's widening his sphere of control now. Yes. Um, And at one point, uh, when the Inquirer interviewed Mirren, this is ridiculous, regarding these allegations, he asked them to define what a sex trafficker actually is, because he claimed he he didn't know what that term even meant. Right. He's a lawyer. Right. He's a lawyer. Right. And a a former politician. And claims he didn't know what that term meant. Yeah, of course. Sure. Along with Mirren, the women named some other well-known individuals from the area who allegedly paid to have sex with them, including former police officers, a medical professional, businessmen, lawyers, and probation officers. And part of the affidavit reads, quote, Mirren also has been reported as being involved in purchasing drugs, including oxycodone and heroin, in order to provide them to his prostitutes and clients. Mirren also has been suspected as being in collusion with a Portsmouth, Ohio judge to get females out on bail, parole, etc., in order to use those females as prostitutes and with unknown law enforcement or legislative officials to tip off Mirren's drug suppliers, including a then-client of Mirren's, Mark Eubanks. One of the women interviewed 
Heather Wren, said Mirren had arranged for her to have sex with a doctor for $200. She said on a separate occasion that Mirren brought her to a probation office where one of the officers took naked pictures of her in exchange for letting her avoid community service obligations, and she said she performed oral sex on another probation officer. She is quoted as saying, it was like, quote, walking into your own death or into your own prison because now you're stuck. Her addiction and the fact that Mirren had all these connections in law enforcement made her feel trapped. For three years, she was trafficked through his group of friends and pimped out to others. Through their investigation into Mirren, the Inquirer was able to uncover even more disturbing evidence that this was much larger than expected. Linda Mills was 15 years old and thought she was going to become a model. Instead, she began being trafficked to Chicago by a member of local law enforcement. Phil Malone and his brother Mark Malone were both employees of the Portsmouth City Probation Department. They are both accused of sexual misconduct and exchanging sexual favors for lighter treatment. Mark Malone is the former city probation director, and Phil Malone is a former city probation officer. Phil has been charged with forgery charges and was placed on administrative leave. Talk about taking advantage of your power. Oh, well, yeah, of course. <clears throat> probation officers. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's that's just how that goes. Again, when, you, when you've got nothing else to do with your life and you're the kind of person that that seeks power and seeks control you have you take advantage of every opportunity that you can yeah and you know i'm sure that this is not a unique circumstance no <laughs> for sure linda mills did not have a good upbringing she said her grandfather sexually abused her throughout her childhood she said dying would have been quote a blessing she saw an opportunity to leave town at 15 in the 2000s and took the chance to get away from the abuse. And this happened so often. Something out there must be better than this. Unfortunately, the something she found was just a different form of torture. She met Phil Malone while tagging along with her mom while she cleaned houses. She said he would give her gifts. She began posing nude for him, and he told her he lined up a modeling contract for her in Chicago. She left to go to Chicago, believing her dreams were coming true. She met with another man at the bus station, and within hours was told she needed to have sex with him, quote, so he could see what he could sell. Yeah, but that's not for sale. <laughs> but it is. Yeah, well, that sucks. That's all they were doing. It wasn't a modeling thing. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And, yeah. and yeah, I mean, look, obviously she's in a tough position, but sitting here comfortable, you know, my response is just, well, too bad that's not for sale. But I understand she was trapped. She, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, you know, she thought that she was getting out of a horrible life because she was abused by her grandfather. And this happens a lot. You know, people think, well, my, my life at home is so terrible. There must be something better out there. And then when they find that there's something else out there, they kind of get stuck in it. Right. Because if I go back home, I'm still going to be right in this situation. Right. So, like... Just being out of that initial situation, yeah. they now have rose-colored glasses on. Right. So, even yeah. if something is crap, 
yeah. they're willing in their head to say, well, maybe I'll see where it goes. And he was starting to give her gifts and, you know, tell her all these things, right, you know, promise right, her all these dreams, right. which that is called a, a Romeo pimp yeah. when they when they do those things. Um, you know, he's not abusing her. He's giving her incentive, essentially. Um, and so it's making her believe, oh, great, he's really in this to help me. He's there for me. He's going right. to he's gonna get all this stuff done for me. And then she gets stuck. So she said she was driven around the country to have sex with men and was once flown to New York as well. In 2003, she became pregnant and upon giving birth in 2004, gave the baby up for adoption. Linda then brought along a friend of hers, Kayla Artesia, telling her she knew of a way for her to make money. At the time, Phil Malone was a dispatcher for the Scioto County Sheriff's Office, and the two girls spent time at his home. Kayla explained she was strung out on OxyContin, and her experience with Malone started just as Linda's did, taking nude photos. But then it became more sexual. She was 16 years old at the time. This all continued through Malone's employment at the probation office, and what got her away from this situation was her conviction in 2006 for trying to smuggle drugs into jail. She was then sent to prison. Unfortunately, after getting out of prison and relapsing in 2018, Kayla said she met up with Malone again and provided him with sex in exchange for money. And that happens a lot too. A lot of times, whether she did this on purpose or not, but a lot of times to get out of that situation, they will commit a crime because sure. they know that they'll be safer in jail because they're away from their perpetrator. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's like the people that get stuck in the system, you know, when they get out, they don't know what to do. They yeah. only know how to live in jail. So they do, so they commit some stupid crime, not for the thing, but just to go back to, to jail. Go back. Yeah. A lot of people who, you know, are homeless and stuff like that will also do that because at least right. then they'll have food and shelter. Right. Yeah. It, it's really sad. It's yes, really sad. It's really sad. That, you know, we can't provide these things for people. And this is just a normal thing. And this it's is a... just part of our society. Mm -hmm. It just happens. Yeah. And we've known about it for decades. Yeah. And yet no one's doing anything about it. Yep. Kayla and Malone have both been charged and indicted on felony forgery charges for allegedly falsifying documents as a notary public. Kayla asked Malone to notarize a backdated document in order to take possession of her deceased fiancé's body in May of 2019. She denies having forged her fiancé's signature. Linda, now 34, had a child with Kayla's brother, making them not only friends but now family. And Kayla is now 32. After publishing the results of the Inquirer's investigation in March of this year, agents with the Bureau of Criminal Investigation became involved. So where the DEA left off, the BCI picked up, thanks to the Inquirer. You can always count on those investigative reporters. That's funny. On March 25th, 2020, police detained Michael Mirren and searched his home on accusations in connection with the sex trafficking ring. So this was... Two months ago? A month ago? A month ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, two days later, the BCI reached out to the public for help. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost tweeted, 
quote, BCI is asking anyone with knowledge of suspicious activity involving Portsmouth attorney Michael Mirren to call 1-855-BCI-OHIO or submit a tip anonymously at, and they posted a link that you could go to. According to Mirren's interview with Fox 19, BCI took his computers, client records, as well as his cell phone when they searched his home. He said the warrant that was issued involved searching for telephone records, call history, all communications, credit and debit cards in regards to sexual activity, pandering, as well as travel arrangements. As of right now, no arrest warrant has been issued for Mirren and nothing has come to light yet about if BCI has found anything through their search of Mirren's belongings. So, yeah, a month ago they went to search his house. Um, and uh, it was a few hours of searching. And, uh, you know, we'll find out hopefully soon if anything right. came of that. Um, as of right now, you know, it's just speculative. Yeah, and I mean, you want to say like, oh, hey, this guy's this guy's been doing it for twenty years or however long it was. He's not going to be dumb enough to leave anything around. But often they are dumb yes. enough to leave stuff around. So yeah, we could just hope that he was cocky enough to think, oh, they're never gonna, you know, the police are never gonna search my right. house. Right. I mean, he's got friends in high places, so right. Yeah, he was probably never expecting to right. be caught. He so, has, he has judge friends. He has probation officer yeah. friends. He has police officer friends. Right. You know, so it's it's something where he was expecting to never even be thought of right. in this regard. But right, that that's what we can hope for. <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, once larger um, investigative agencies get involved, you know, you he he's he doesn't have friends in the BCI. Yeah, I, I, I'm expecting he doesn't have friends in the FBI either. So you know no. he doesn't have friends no. in the DEA. No, nope. <laughs> you know. Nope. So you know the nobody's those... got friends in the DEA. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll we'll see soon if if anything does come of that. And uh, this investigation has led to even more paths of questions. On Friday, April third, twenty thirteen. 25-year-old Megan Lancaster disappeared from Wheelersburg, Ohio. Megan had informed her family at one point that she knew Mirren and had worked for him selling vacuum cleaners, though according to her sister-in-law, Katie Lancaster, the family did not believe her. Megan had gotten caught up in drugs and began working in the sex industry. So I guess they thought that she probably wasn't selling vacuum cleaners essentially. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, they, because she was caught up in that world, they were probably like, you're not selling vacuum cleaners. You're right, not, right. You know, we, we know what you're doing kind of thing. Yeah. On April 5th, 2013, so uh, two days after she disappeared, Megan's drug dealer went to her mother's house to tell her he thought something was amiss. He had seen Megan's white Ford Mustang parked outside a Portsmouth restaurant with her wallet open in the front seat and the doors locked. Katie believes Mirren had something to do with Megan's disappearance. So they're hoping that whatever is found in Mirren's home or on his phone or whatever maybe points in some direction to Megan. Um, you know, the family thinks that she was caught up probably in some sort of drug or sex trafficking ring and that because she knew him, 
he's a part of it. So they're hoping that maybe some answers will come if they find any information that he did, in fact, know her. Right. Yeah. That's the hope. Yeah, any lead's a lead. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Megan Lancaster was born October 24th, 1987, and leaves behind a son. She was 25 when she disappeared and would be 32 years old today. Though Katie believes Mirren may have something to do with Megan's disappearance, police and the FBI believe it may be something else entirely, which we will discuss in our next episode. There is so much to uncover and talk about regarding where the police think Megan's case has turned that we need a whole other episode to discuss the other possibility. But we must not forget what the importance of this week's episode is about. Sex traffickers prey on the vulnerable. They seek these types of people out in order to keep them close. Mirren does not seem like a stand-up guy, and if the police are able to find anything within the items they have seized, I think he'll finally be brought to justice. Unfortunately, traffickers, especially people in high-profile positions like Mirren, know how to hide their transgressions but hopefully the women who he has harmed get the ending they deserve. And that concludes episode seven of Blackbird. If you want to report human trafficking, you can do so through the human trafficking hotline at 1-888-373-7888 or at humantraffickinghotline.org. If you have a story you would like to share on Blackbird, please email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com. And don't forget to stop by and follow us on Instagram at blackbirdadvocacy. For all references used in this episode, please see the show notes. I hope you have enjoyed this episode, and I hope you will subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And uh, hopefully you'll give us some good reviews on there, too. We like good reviews. Yeah. Be safe, be aware of your surroundings, and continue to social distance if you can. Don't get that COVID, yo. Flatten the curve. Thanks, everyone. Peace.